There are two places I'd like for you to turn. John 12 and Mark 14. Two versions of the same story with slight variations. And the New Testament record of what uh, Mark has just sung. The story of the woman who broke the alabaster box on Jesus. The 12th chapter of John and the 14th chapter of Mark. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover came to Bethany with Lazarus, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary therefore took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor people? Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief, and as he had had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Jesus therefore said, Let her alone in order that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now the Gospel of Mark, same story. And while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial a very costly perfume of pure nard. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For the poor you always have with you, and whenever you wish you can do them good, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, that also which this woman has done shall be spoken of in memory of her. Jesus makes two statements I want you to get. She has done a good deed to me. She has done what she could. There is an oft-told story, in fact, I've told it oft, about an up-and-coming pianist performing in Carnegie Hall, and she finished her concert to thundering applause, but her eyes were on the balcony. And she went backstage, and the crowd was on its feet, calling her 
to come for a curtain call, but she refused. And a man said, go on out and take a bow. See, they're, they're applauding, they're calling for you. She said, I can't, I have failed. He said, of course you haven't. Look out there, the crowd is on its feet. Everybody is standing and applauding. She said, not everyone. Look at the balcony. And they noticed an old man sitting on the front row at the top of the balcony. His hands were clasped over his chest. And while everyone was standing applauding, he was sitting with his hands clasped over his chest. The man said, what difference does that make? One old man? Just because one man is not applauding? What difference does that make? And the woman said, that old man is my teacher. There is a sense in, when, in that when we do our thing, whether it be preaching or teaching or singing or just serving the Lord, that we desire the applause of men. We need to keep our eyes on the balcony. For it really doesn't matter if the crowd applauds if the teacher doesn't join in. And the most important thing is not what others say about you, but what the teacher says about you. I wonder if we dare ask him what he thinks about our service. I mean, what do you think he really thinks about what you do for him? And his applause, the acclamation of the teacher is what we desire. His well done, his... He has done a good deed to me is what we really, it's life's highest reward really. And unless we have his well done stamped upon what we do, everything we do is a failure. Now this, what this woman did really wasn't a practical thing. I mean it certainly wouldn't feed the poor. And it didn't extend the kingdom at all. And as far as everybody else was concerned in that world, really, what she did really wasn't worth that much. And yet Jesus heaps his praise upon her. And he says that whenever the gospel is spread, wherever it is spread throughout the world, this will be spoken of as a memorial to her. Pretty high commendation, wouldn't you think? Now, is there anybody here this morning who does not know what Babe Ruth did? And every time the boys of summer began to play the national pastime, it's spoken of as a memorial to him. And everybody knows what Oliver and Wilbur Wright did in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And every time you get on a jet airliner or hear one drone overhead, it speaks as a memorial to him. What Jesus was saying is this, that whenever people gather together to read again the story of what I did, they read again the story of what she did. An amazing commendation. Now the question is, what do you have to do to gain that kind of acclamation? High praise heaped upon a little lady who's, who's in this scripture. I mean, what do you have to do to receive that kind of praise? Well, you do what you can. She has done what she could. Now, I know what some of you are saying in your, under your breath. Come on, preacher, tell us, give us a little more than that. No, that's all there is. You do what you can. And you say, well, I, I can't preach and I can't 
uh, sing. I don't have a good voice like Mark, right? I, I, I don't have the gift of teaching, and whenever I try to witness, I just stutter and stammer. Well, what can you do? You do what you can. As a matter of fact, our Lord is not interested in what you don't have. He's interested only in what you have. And He's not so much concerned about what you can't do as He is concerned about what you can. If you want His, the applause from the balcony, this is what you do. You just do what you can. I want you to see if you can reconstruct the setting in your mind. They're all gathered together in the house of, of Lazarus. His sisters are there, Mary and Martha. And their hearts are just filled with love and joy and thanksgiving. For in chapter 11, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. Now in chapter 12, they give a dinner, a dinner party for him. And he's sitting there, their brother's sitting there with Jesus. And their hearts are just filled with joy and love and thanksgiving. And they see it as an opportunity of expressing their gratitude to the Lord. What could they do to express their gratitude? It wouldn't be hard for Martha because she was this resourceful person. She could do just about anything. We've already seen in Scripture that she was always working in the kitchen and she could prepare this marvelous meal. She could just do just about anything with her, anything with her hands. And she was such a resourceful person. But Mary was not like that. She wasn't really a gifted person. Evidently, she couldn't do a lot of things with her hands and, and yet her heart is just filled with love. What can I do? So she remembers that alabaster box. Now that was a very precious commodity because it was worth about a year's wage for a working man. How she came into possession of that alabaster box, we don't know. Maybe she'd saved all of her life that that possession and she was going to use it when she got old. She would sell it and live off the proceeds. She remembers that alabaster box and she brings it in and she breaks it and she lavishes it upon Jesus and all of a sudden everybody's talking about what a waste and Jesus said leave her alone. You've considered the cost of perfume. I see the value of love. You see it as a waste. I see it as an expression of her love for me. Leave her alone. She's done what she could. For you see, all that the Lord expects of any of us is that we just give Him back what He's placed in our hands. All He expects of us is just to do what we can and nothing more. I remember when I was a kid... Get to be on about Christmas time, and my daddy would get us all in, and he's going to give us money to buy Christmas presents with. Now, I had a brother and a sister, and I was going to get a present for my mother and one for my dad, and, and didn't have much. He never gave us much, but, you know, I had to divide it in four, you know. And, and it didn't occur to me that dad was giving me the money to buy his own present, you know. And he's up there, you know, he'd be in there, he'd say, oh, you shouldn't have, you know. He paid for it. Now I'm, I'm just, you know, he's just thanking me and, and telling me how much he appreciates it. Every parent's been through that, haven't you? I used to give my kids money to buy my present, you know. Didn't ever, you know, it didn't occur to me as a kid, you know, that, that, that while my daddy was bragging on this gift, he was bragging on something he paid for. A guy said one time he had two children. One was quite a bit older than the, than the other, and... And, and, and she was able to do some errands and make her own money and buy her own Christmas presents. But he gave the little one presents, to, money to buy presents with. And, 
he was opening her present. He was bragging on it. Oh, you shouldn't have it. It's just great. He said, the older child said, well, you better brag on it. You paid for it. <laughs> it didn't occur to me as a kid that what I was giving my dad was just what he had given me in the first place until I have children of my own. And I started giving them. And so I'm up there saying, oh, you shouldn't have. Wonderful gift. Oh, how thoughtful. I love it. And I'm just bragging on the fact that they're giving back to me what I've given to them. See, that's what's happening here. For you see, Christian service and Christian living really is just giving back to the Lord what He's given you in the first place. And He expects nothing more. And so he comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to go and lead my people out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses said, I can't do that. He said, what do you got in your hand? He said, a rod, my rod, shepherd's rod. He said, throw it down. And so when he threw it down, it became a serpent. He said, pick it up. And he reached over and picked it up by the tail. It became not Moses' rod. From that day on, it became the rod of God. And there's always something that has the nature of a serpent about it until you throw it down to the Lord. And when you throw it down to the Lord and you give it back to Him, lavished upon Him, broken upon Him, just that which He has given you, it becomes His. And so one of the widows of the sons of the prophet came to Elisha and said, My husband's dead and we're broke. And they're going to come and take my children, my two children, and make them slaves in payment of the debt I can't pay. And Elisha said, what do you got in your house? He, she said, just a small cruise of oil. He said, get all the pots you can get. And she gathered up all the pots she could get. And when she had thrown down that gift to God, it began to fill up all the other pots. And the only time it stopped was when they ran out of pots. What can I do? what you can. Second, do that much. I mean, do all you can. Notice that this woman didn't just do what she could. She did, while you listening, she did all she could. And what she put out on Jesus, what she poured out on Him, was not a couple of drops of that perfume, you know, a couple of behind the ear, you know how the girls do. They put a little bit behind the ear, and they rub a little on their wrist. It wasn't just a couple of drops. She broke the alabaster box. It really was a, it really was a, a, a bottle, and she broke the neck of it off of it. And when you break the neck of the alabaster box, that's it. It's all gone after that. Not only did she do what she could, she did all she could. She brought everything she had, and she lavished it upon him. Wasn't any of this what's the least I can do kind of stuff. None of that. It's not, do I tie the gross of the net? It's not, what is the least I can do and still receive the commendation of the Lord? None of that stuff. For love does not calculate, calculate like an accountant. Love does not keep record of its expense. It's extravagant and it lavishes and it's spontaneous and it's never cautious. And so she brought in this precious gift and she poured it all out on him. You say, I pray, do you prevail? You say, I give, 
all? Do you give all? You say, I serve the Lord. Do you do it all, all you can? Do you do all you can? Some of you need to break your alabaster box. Now let me tell you what an alabaster box is to you. An alabaster box to you is that which keeps you from lavishing your love upon the Lord in extravagant ways. Your alabaster box is that which keeps you from giving all you can to God. And everybody has an alabaster box. Abraham's alabaster box was his son Isaac. And God knew that until he had Isaac, he would never have Abraham. And when, Abra when Abraham brought his alabaster box up to that little mountain and he lavished his alabaster box on God, only then did God have Abraham. Not only do you do what you can, you do all you can quickly. And you do it now. You do it now. You do it now because the time is right and the time is short. Did you notice what the text said? Jesus said, leave this lady alone because she's come to lavish her love on me beforehand. I love it. She's come while she still has time. Some guys were, some people were flying to a convention in Florida, they were telling. And they, she, and they said they, the stewardess came out with her little cart and began to serve drinks. He said everybody was buying their drinks and, and he, he said we look like a floating bourbon bottle. And he said just about the time they had serving the drinks, he said, they hit an unexpected turbulence, air pocket, and he said that plane started duck, ducking and diving, and he said it was just throwing liquor and booze and bottles and stewardess, steward eye, whatever you call all over the plane. And he said everybody got strapped in and they were holding on, and he said we were bucking and diving and bouncing, and he said after a while the captain came on and said we won't be serving Eat dinner tonight and we won't be serving any more drinks we don't have enough time and the air is too turbulent never before in your lifetime or mine has it been a greater has there been a greater opportunity to lavish your love upon the Lord and every time you turn on your television set and every time you pick up a newspaper, all eyes are focused on that part of the world where God revealed Himself in the person of His Son. There's never been a time when more focus is on, on, the, on the place where God revealed Himself than our time. What a time to lavish your love upon Jesus. And you better do it while you still have time. And so they came on that first Easter morning and there's a little mist, a little dew, a little fog. Through that pre-dawn mist we see figures moving toward the grave of Jesus. They're coming there to anoint His body. Now the reason they're coming on that early morning to anoint the body of Jesus was because 
In that day they embalmed the bodies like this. When they died, they wrapped them in grave clothes. Then they covered them with a kind of a perfume-like paste. But because the Jews were such, in such a hurry to get Jesus off the cross and in the grave before the, before the Passover began, which was at sundown on Good Friday, because they didn't have time to anoint His body, they just wrapped it in grave clothes and shoved Him in a grave. And when the Passover was passed, on the dawn of that Sunday morning, these women were coming in the early dawn, as early as they could to anoint His body. And when they got there, they discovered they were too late. The body was gone. Have you ever thought of that? That the only person who got to anoint the body of Jesus was the one who anointed him while he was still alive. Now there's some of you this morning who have a great heart. In your heart of hearts, there is this desire to lavish your life upon Jesus. But for some reason, you wait. Don't wait till it's too late. And some of you have a great desire in your heart of hearts to share your word of witness with somebody. Don't wait till it's too late. You better do it while you have chance. And do it for the love of Jesus. And so Jesus got Simon Peter to the side after his resurrection. And he said, Simon, do you love me? And he said, of course, Lord, I love you. Then he said, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then Feed my sheep. It's not, do you love my sheep? It's, do you love me? Do you love him? Then while you have a chance, while the time is just right, and while you still have the time, bring that life and lavish it upon him. Notice one thing finally. It was, it was John who said that she broke the body, the, the alabaster box, and anointed his feet, his head, rather. Well, Mark said that she anointed his head, and John said she anointed his feet. That's how it went. She either anointed both his head and his feet, or she anointed his head and it ran down on his feet. But Mark says that she undid her hair and it was long, wore it, they wore it long and rolled up. She undid her hair and as it fell down, probably about to her waist or beyond, she went over and knelt at the feet of Jesus and she began to wipe the perfume from off his feet. Now watch this. Now that which was on Jesus is on her. That fragrance which was on Jesus is now on her. She smells like him. And all of a sudden, this fragrance, this aroma that Jesus possessed, now she possesses. Don't you know like people like that? They smell just like Jesus. They look just like Him. Somehow, that which is characteristic of Him is now on them. Haven't you ever been in the presence of people where all of a sudden when you were in their presence it seemed that Jesus had walked in 
and what he smelt like and what he looked like and what he acted like. They look like and talk like and smell like. I want you to hear me carefully. That which you lavish on Jesus always comes back on you. And you say, I wish my life would be significant. And I wish that I somehow would have the work of my hands established. And I would like to have a life that bears the fragrance of the Lord upon it, that is pervasive and prevailing and permanent. I wish that somehow my life would have the likeness of Jesus. Let me tell you how it happens. You lavish your life upon Him. You bring your alabaster box. You break it on Him. And whatever is on Him just gets on you. Stephen Alford is this great British preacher. He's a prolific writer. I have several books. Heard him preach often. And he was preaching at the Keswick Convention. The Keswick Convention is much like a, uh, a nationwide spiritual conference in, in England, in Scotland, and Ireland. And he was preaching at this Keswick Convention with Stephen Alford, sitting on the platform waiting for his time to preach. It was missions night. And on missions night at the Keswick Convention, they have missionaries who give their testimonies. And this missionary was there from Ethiopia. He'd been in Ethiopia for 20 years. And he was giving his testimony. This was his testimony. He said, 27 years ago, I was in a service where a preacher was preaching. He said he was pouring out his heart concerning the needs of the world. And, the, and he said, while that man was, was pouring out his heart, he said, God spoke to me. And he said, I surrendered in that service to be a missionary. And he said, I've been for 20 years in Ethiopia. And he said, I've never been able to thank that preacher for what he did that night. I've never been able to express my gratitude for his sermon, but I'm going to right now. He said, he's in this audience. He turned around. He said, Dr. Alford, you're the preacher. And Dr. Alford, you know, just was stunned. And here sat a man on the platform who 27 years before had lavished his love upon God. And 27 years later, it was coming back to him. Now listen to me carefully. Watch this. There are some of you this morning whose heart is just filled with love and gratitude. How could you be anything else but grateful? And your desire is this, that from the balcony you would receive the teacher's applause. And there is in your heart of hearts a great desire that your life would have more to it than what it is now. My invitation for you this morning is this is reach in the closet that's locked and secure and get that alabaster box and break it on the Lord. And what is on Him 
will forever be on you. Do it today. Let's pray. Father, for the courage to respond when our heart says respond, we pray. For the will to bring our lives and lay them on Jesus when the heart says do it, we pray. We ask today for that life to be lavished upon you. For Jesus' sake, for the love of Jesus, I pray. Look here, there are three invitations. One of the invitations this morning is for you to come and give your life to Jesus Christ. You give your life to Him and He gives you eternal life. That means not just life that never ends, but life that has significance. An invitation for you to come and join this fellowship. As one came in the early service and come, we have them come every service. Come today and don't do it, don't put it off. Don't wait to do what your heart and your mind and your will wants you to do or maybe this morning you just need to come and bring that alabaster box that thing that has kept you from giving everything to God in your life that you have and you'll give it to him would you do it now without waiting while we stand to sing we invite you to come